There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You are listening to CMO Moves. Hello, I'm Shannon Miller, the creative and inclusion editor here at Adweek. And I am joined by a very special guest today. Um, If you do not already know, we are in day four of Brand Week Miami, and we've had some really riveting conversations today. And I've had the great honor of speaking with an endlessly fascinating individual. Here joining me is CMO of Shake Shack, Jay Livingston. Hello. Hello. I don't think I can match your smooth radio voice on this podcast. This is going to take some, (laughs) I'm trying to lower it down like a... A timber. Is it, is it smooth or am I tired? No, it sounds smooth. You may be tired, but it sounds smooth. <laughs> Thank you so much. Very, very well practiced. If I'm going to speak to someone on the level of a Jay Livingston, I better show up, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That big level, high level. <laughs> so I, I'm a huge fan. I think all of us at Adweek are huge fans of you and your work. Um, but before we dig into all of that, can you talk a little bit about your journey from you know, way, way back to where you are now at Shake Shack. Sure, man. I'll try to cover the, uh, the quick version. So <laughs> from Knoxville, Tennessee, went mm-hmm. to Miami University in Oxford, Ohio. Uh, was Interestingly, I knew I wanted to get into marketing, um, but I thought I would have to go to business school to do kind of classic brand management. And when I looked around at the companies that were hiring out of Miami, the sort of best overall programs where the banks were hiring in these sort of management training programs where they would rotate you around to different areas of the bank. Mm -hmm. So I was recruited out of school into one of those programs by Nations Bank uh, based in Charlotte, North Carolina. It's called the MAPS program. And I ended up working at Bank of America for 20 years. (laughs) So I did my three rotations and was going to go to business school. And someone on the marketing team said, do one more rotation. We bought this bank called Boatman's Bank in St. Louis. And you should go down there and you'll get to learn every aspect of marketing. So I went down there and loved it. And we kind of took off as a company from that point. Nations Bank bought around 450 banks while I was there. Um, when I started, we were sort of a super regional bank. And when I, 16 years later, we were the fourth most profitable company in the world. So the growth just sort of took off and I never ended up going to business school. And over my 20 years at Bank of America, I basically, um, you know, worked in every functional area of marketing or strategy at the company. So it was a really great place to get to see so many different areas and spaces um, and kind of prep me for what was next. Wow. I can't imagine like wanting to get to business school and not quite making it because you're just so good at what you do that they're just like, do another tour. 
Lord. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know if that's exactly what happened, but it definitely, um, I, I mean, I, I look back so fondly on that. And then, uh, you know, to take me where I am now, I they have a, a thing, they had a thing that I was grandfathered in called the Rule of 60 at Bank of America. So when your age plus years of service hit 60, you could retire with benefits from the company. So I'm a retiree of Bank of America. I left when I was 41 and said, I'm gonna take two years off and I'm gonna travel the world and I'm gonna restore an old loft in the West Village and I'm gonna try to do a little bit of angel investing. Uh, got involved in a third political effort called uh, the Centrist Project is now called Unite America. Um, I executive produced a film or two and really enjoyed all that and knew I would jump back in and be a CMO somewhere. So after two years, I jumped into um, BarkBox, which is a subscription box for dogs, just went public in March, which is mm -hmm. great for them, and was their first CMO for almost two years and then went to Shake Shack and have been at Shake Shack for four years. So it's interesting to hear that you were first CMO at BarkBox, because you're also a first CMO at Shake Shack. It's always hard to be the first of anything. What made you decide to take on such a high pressure role like that? Honestly, you know, I never really considered, they had marketing organizations at both those places when I started, but mm -hmm. what they were really trying to do was professionalize them a little bit. And coming out of like a big company, that was an area that I felt comfortable with going to a startup and saying, all right, how do we now like, um, kind of professionalize every function within marketing to get to where both of these companies wanted to go. Mm -hmm. So that felt very comfortable and natural to me. Um, now, working as a CMO, the first CMO at a founder-led business can be more challenging, right? Because kind of as we talked about in our talk today, founders are often half CMOs anyway. They have very strong beliefs about what the marketing should be at these companies, how exactly that should go. And so that can be tricky. And it's, I think one reason the CMO tenure is so short at a lot of these companies is mm -hmm. because you've really got to vibe with those, that founder um, and learn how to both take their vision, but also incorporate your own and what you know you need to do to get to the next level. So that, that's always a challenge, but it's also a fun challenge uh, if, you, if you're vibing with them. Yeah. So we just got off the stage not long ago talking about uh, Shake Shack and just how community is built so um, well into the branding. And we talked a lot about the successes and kind of like the future <laughs> of the brand. I now want to know a little bit more about uh, kind of the challenges that you faced becoming a CMO. Because as you mentioned, being a CMO at a, a founder-led brand or being the first of anything is going to come with some adjustment and some learning. And there's, I'm sure there's a learning curve there. Um, so what can you mention a time that you felt like you were really like in deep in a challenge or even felt like you failed and what you may have learned from that moment? You know, I haven't thought about this in a long time, but it's interesting. When I was first interviewing, even after I left Bank of America, I, I felt like I had this incredible experience in a breadth of areas, but I had not been a CMO, right? At Bank of America, I mean, the, the Anfinuk and our CMO is on a first name basis with like five presidents and, you know, it's a hugely scaled thing. Mm -hmm. And as I was interviewing for a couple of positions, I thought, man, this is gonna be a layup based on my experience. And they were kind of like, what's this banker gonna be able to really like contribute to us? And I was running into that and it was getting a little bit frustrating. And 
one of the things that allowed me, I think, at BarkBox to sort of decide to take a chance on me is I had some relationships there, but also I'd been doing some of this angel investing in startups and helping some of those companies, advising some of them and so forth. And those founders were able to say, no, this guy is really good mm -hmm. at this stuff. Like he can really understand what we're doing at this level. And, uh, and, and then Bart took a maybe a little bit of a chance from that standpoint on giving me that opportunity. Um, but that was a little bit of a jarring to me. I'd also taken two years off, so it was sort of like, what's he been doing for the last two years? And, and that whole thing. And it's funny how these things in life are so momentum-based. Because then once you show you can do it, everybody says, oh my gosh, what a perfect combination of big company and small growth companies. Mm -hmm. So uh, so that was a challenge and kind of overcame it. Um, I would say the other, the other kind of, when I think of like failures is, you know, it's become cliche, but if you're not failing a decent amount in what you're putting out from a marketing standpoint, mm -hmm. you're probably not pushing the boundaries enough. Mm -hmm. And I actually think we need to do that more, even at Shake Shack. Uh, you know, I want to see, I was just talking to the team the other day about every time you guys present creative concepts, I want, we're not successful in doing that until you give me one every time that I say, that is too weird. I can't believe you showed that to me. And then remind me of this conversation because that's when we're really starting to push the boundaries. Like we've got to be provocative. We're a challenger brand. We're still young in the market. And I don't think we fail enough on putting stuff out there that maybe we're not super psyched about. Yeah. So, so I didn't really answer your question with some monumental, monumental failure, but I think there are things out there that uh, we need to fail more at. I love that. And I love the idea of like requiring at some point to like requiring that moment where you're presented with something that just is truly off where yeah. you're just like, <laughs> I don't know. And not to like talk too much about another brand, but like it does remind me of um, a story that we covered recently with um, Dr. Pepper and, and Lil Sweet, like that first moment where they had to be presented with that. And you're just like, so you want a little man to sing about Diet Dr. Pepper, and that's odd, let's do it. But like, it, there's that moment where like, you're pushing a boundary of storytelling. And Don't you love those stories? I remember um, one time in banking, we got challenged by an investor that said, why do you guys even do marketing? Because what's it really gonna do to a financial and insurance business mm -hmm. to do great marketing? And we were like, have you, would you have heard of Geico? <laughs> or if they didn't have a lizard like that was part of it, or Aflac. Exactly. Somebody went to that Aflac board and said, we've been doing this a long time and we hadn't got much traction. So now we want a, a duck that comes <laughs> walking out of a pond. It just says Aflac. And we're going to run that for the next 10 years. And mm -hmm. it's going to make this company worth billions of dollars. Like it worked, right? right? And then all the insurance businesses in particular, they all started playing catch up to try to get wackier and zanier, whether mm -hmm. it's mayhem or, you know, whatever you name it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a fascinating case study, which is um, you've got to really push those boundaries and you've got to put stuff out there because um, this is an attention game. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, we're just trying to get consumers' attention. There are a lot of other places that sell food. Yeah. Uh, so, so yes, I agree. You've got to really push boundaries and get into a cultural mindset where you're going to take risks. So it seems like you have a lot of opportunities at, uh, Shake Shack to get into, a, to at least some weirdness or some um, challenge because you have a lot coming up. We talked a little bit about it on stage, but for those of us at home, can you get into a little bit of the future of Shake Shack? Well, one, it's just so fun to market this because 
there may be nothing that people are more passionate about than food, right? Mm -hmm. If there is one, it might be dogs. (laughs) I've (laughs) joked, like, the last is babies. Like, babies, dogs, and food are people's favorite things. And so I'm going to have to go to a baby company at some point to round that out. Um, But, you know, we have both uh, tons of passion about food, but also people are just passionate about the brand. So that's, like, a great sort of foundation to build on. Um, What we want to continue to do is tell our story now beyond just New York City. So as we expand into the rest of the country and the rest of the world, you know, sort of hardcore foodies know what we're about and know the Danny Meyer origin story and our roots in fine dining. But that's not something that when you just roll out to the Midwest or the Southeast or um, even all the way on the West Coast, that has often come through. And we've got to figure out new ways to tell that story, our roots in fine dining, our ingredient Mm -hmm. story, Um, being part of our communities, that's something that without the benefit of huge advertising budgets, we have to be creative. We have to continue to do a lot of experiential stuff, take advantage of our great social media presence, um, you know, doing incredible chef collabs and these things. It's, it's, Mm -hmm. uh, and we have a lot of those coming up. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Awesome. I really want to talk about the culture um, mm-hmm. at Chick Jack and just like how you cultivate your team. Talking to you one-on-one, you're so personable. Um, you're so attuned to the other person that you're talking to. And I'm wondering how that translates to the people that you work with. How do you build your team morale? What's the culture like? One is, I think, the sort of idea that Danny Meyer sort of put forward in his book, Setting the Table, and this idea that we take care of each other first. Mm-hmm. You know, we actually don't always think about the guests first. We think about each other and taking care of our teammates. Because if you do that, it's kind of hard to lose in many ways. Um, and I sort of have taken that to heart and also suits my natural tendency to, I, I think in general, marketing people spend not enough time on hiring stars and the hiring process. It is so important and so valuable and spending that time to truly get to know and and go out there and source great candidates that doesn't happen overnight. I've, I think we probably all lean into the things we're good at. Um, what I think I'm good at is being a bit of a talent and character evaluator. Um, and so I lean into that and I work hard at that. And then also just nurturing that talent once it's in the organization. You know, when you talk about, it'd be so interesting what my team would say. <laughs> I don't know what they'd say to, if they hear this. But one of the things in my past I really appreciate from managers is being 
a manager that was accessible. I think that's one of the most underrated qualities. There's this idea of this brilliant savant that's out there saying, I'm dictating from the mountain that we like do these things, but you can't ever get, if you've ever worked for somebody that you can't ever get on the phone or you oh, can't give an answer for, right? And so even just being accessible, um, being like very present with, with individuals on the team. Um, I take an attitude that I love learning for them. I want to hire smarter people than I am. And by the way, if you work in the digital space, I'm not from a digitally native time. I'm not that old, but I'm hiring people that are so much more comfortable in the digital space that teach me every day about social media, about what's happening in pop culture and these things. And so I love like having just really smart people. So they're the ones who make it make it work. I'm a servant leader. My goal is to give them a vision and the tools they need to be successful and then let them go. And that's what I'm trying to do. I want to dig a little bit more into that because there's a, that's a very interesting and very unique experience um, coming from a time, as you mentioned, that isn't, that wasn't so like digitally forward and now working in a space where you have to be um, in order to build that community, reach those audiences, bring in new customers. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about navigating that as someone who is still as you mean, actively learning? Well, one, as a marketer, it's always changing. I always think it's interesting where there's this idea like, well, if you're too older in your career, you can't relate to the younger stuff. Well, when radio came along, the newspapers were like, we're screwed. We're done forever, right? And then television came along and radio said, oh, no, that's the end of that. It's always changing. It's always moving from one to the next. The thing is, do you have the principles in place to go where the eyeballs are? And the eyeballs right now have moved heavily, not just to digital channels. They've moved into social media platforms. Influencers have more power than ever. Um, and we lean into all that. Like we have an internal design team at Shake Shack. Um, we don't outsource to all these agencies or anyone else because we want to create a lot of that content internally. We want to build that muscle. We do all our social media posting and we don't use agencies for that. Um, and I believe a big part of that is like that that is key to authentically presenting in your, your brand in these new channels. It's not like the old days where you just developed a TV ad twice a year and you threw it out everywhere and then you went dark for six months and then threw it out everywhere again. You gotta be in the fabric of the conversation in all these things. And so I, I know how to do that. I may not know that, I may not know TikTok or I know, may not know what's the, uh, the new one we're already on, Be Real. I don't know Be Real either. So. <laughs> but, you know, we're playing with Be Real. I mean, we're launching something in The Sims, and I've got a couple folks that are working on that that are super passionate about it, and I love learning from them. But I'm never going to be a Sims expert. <laughs> I, and I just think it's a matter of being curious, trying to stay involved in all those things that are happening. And again, giving those folks some sort of guardrails and advice to help them say, how do we make this platform really work for us? Mm-hmm. I think that that is um, brilliant and also a great reminder to maybe get a little bit more curious and wade into those waters. Like, yeah, I, I think being in the creative spaces that we are, like we can't necessarily afford to be like, I don't need to know about this. So maybe, and this is just a note to myself, I don't know, be real. I probably need to go ahead and, and get to know it a little bit more. It, it's tough, right? I'm not on Instagram and I'll never forget when Randy Garuti made me the offer he said, I got to tell you, I can't believe we're about to hire a CMO that's not on Instagram. <laughs> and he loves Instagram. And I'm like, listen, I oversee these. I don't have to necessarily be in it every day. Because by the way, if I'm on Instagram, I'm going to walk through the world thinking about how is this going to look on my Instagram? Mm-hmm. I'm a bit of a perfectionist. It's 
if something's got to go, if I had something, <laughs> something's got to go. And, um, you know, in hindsight, maybe that wasn't even the right decision because it's become such a place to sort of get across your message. Um, but on the other hand, you got to pick your spots. And there are people on Instagram, on Instagram they're a lot better at than I than I am, and they work on our team. Man, well, <laughs> I, I, for one, don't mind that you're not on Instagram. I have an Instagram. I have a very hard time keeping up with it. Yeah. So it's I good. do have an account, but I just use it to stalk. <laughs> I, I don't actually post it. I've never posted anything, but I can go out there and see, you know, Still I useful. look at all the candidates. <laughs> I look at all the candidates' social media. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. I, mean, I guess you have to, right? You have to. I mean, I, why wouldn't you? By the way, that's part of your, especially you're hiring creative people mm-hmm. in a creative world. I'm interested in seeing like what those people are putting out there. Um, and that's a big part of, that's like their res, it's like their LinkedIn account. I go yeah. to their LinkedIn, I go to their Instagram, I go to Facebook, you know, do a background check on a criminal activity, yeah, whatever it takes. If right. it's out there in public, I want to look at it. Yeah, constantly interviewing, even when you don't know that you are. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so how do you see the role of the CMO evolving? We talk a little bit, a lot of, or a lot about that rather, like is the, CMO, you know, still a thing. And obviously, yes, it is. Mm-hmm. But how is it evolving? Well, one is, you know, we talked about on stage a little bit. I'm such a fan of building marketing into the product. And I think a place that it needs to evolve, and in some cases, it is, in some cases it isn't. I've been lucky enough that uh, Randy and Shake Shack had the trust in me to put culinary um, in the marketing team. So all our culinary development, everything we do on menu, et cetera, uh, comes through marketing. And that allows us to build marketing into the product from the very beginning. We're doing a Hot Ones collab right now, for instance, on a hot chicken sandwich and, and burger that solely comes from, we could have just developed that from scratch, but we went to First We Feast and said, wouldn't it be fun to do this together and leverage each other's talents and your media platform and our chefs? And we're getting so much publicity around that right now because we built that from the start, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't like the idea of being handed something and saying, go sell this that I didn't have responsibility for. We also have the benefit of, um, on my team, all the digital channel. We own the digital front-end development. So we own the app, the web uh, site, the kiosks, all the delivery partnerships. So we get to kind of control some of that guest experience digitally, again, with marketing and merchandising built in. And I think that's where marketing needs to go more and more. You've got to have people who are capable of overseeing all that area. And that's Mm -hmm. not always easy. But I think there's a real benefit to it if you can do it right, because you can control that guest experience in a much more holistic way than if you've got a bunch of silos in the org. Mm. So my final question to you is, we we touched a little bit on your extensive um, extracurriculars, you know, being an angel investor, you know, producing and and doing all of these great things. So if we're imagining an alternate universe where time and money are no object, being a CMO is not an option, what would Jay Livingston be doing? I love that question. It's like a sliding doors kind of thing that you always think about, right? Mm -hmm. I think there are a couple things. I have a game I actually call called Five Lives that I've not come up with a couple of completely original things in my life, but this Mm -hmm. is one of them. And the idea is if you could live life five times, what would those five things, what would you do each of those five things, right? Because when you've got one life, you kind of tends to force you back to the middle, safer route. Mm-hmm. And 
when you've got five lives, like, okay, I'm going to take a swing. Of course, everybody will say, I, I would have tried to be a, an actor or a mm -hmm. musician. There's almost always a creative thing, mm -hmm. right? A writer, um, some alternative. I would have been into an architect or these other things. I, so I do love that game and I love that question. Mm -hmm. For me, um, I think the entertainment industry, what my talent is a little bit is bridging the gap between true creatives and the business. Mm -hmm. I am not an awesome creative, but I'm creative enough that a lot of creatives can kind of think I'm one of them. Mm -hmm. And I'm not amazing at, I'm not this hugely visionary killer business person, but I, I can speak the language, right? Mm -hmm. And I think what I'm good at is straddling both and getting them to come together. So sort of art and science, mm -hmm. right? And I, I think that would have worked in the entertainment industry as well. Mm -hmm. The reason I didn't do it, and in hindsight, I feel good about that decision, is it's a dirty business. Yeah. Entertainment is so rough. Yeah. And I even that's why I sort of explored it with some of the executive producing a couple of films. And I had great experiences on those films. But, mm -hmm. but you get to see how rough that business can be. A lot of disingenuous people and environment. And so I, I'm happy with that decision, but I do think that would have been something, another way to do storytelling in a different way on a big stage. And that would have been fun. Who knows if I would have been good at it, but I like to think, you, everybody always thinks they would have been successful at that other career too. They say like, oh, I'd be a studio executive. <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> you know, you might've done it for three years and, and then not been. So I don't know, but that's kind of my thought. Well, I'm certainly glad that the CMO position is something that exists in this world and that you yeah. get to do that and bring so much heart and passion to the brands that you are hired to elevate. So I am deeply appreciative of you taking time out of that busy job to come to Brand Week and speak to our audience, but then to take some additional time to hop on CMO Moves and let us get to know you a little bit more. Uh, so thank you. Thank well, you so well, much. You're such a nice and thoughtful interviewer, so I appreciate oh, the questions. You make it you. easy. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah. And thank you to everyone at home listening. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to CMO Moves, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Al Manorino, executive produced by John Heil, and edited by Lane McGibbony at Boutwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all Adweek podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcasts. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcasts at adweek.com. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.